Hi everybody, I'm Siddharth Magula, and this is the first episode of my new series, Demist. This podcast is basically dedicated to taking a closer look at many topics that are confusing or just plain needing context. I'm currently a high schooler and a human being in general, so a lot of these episodes are created out of a personal desire to talk about them or just from what I've seen. I feel like most of the anger or confusion we feel when facing certain concepts or other things can be cleared up most of the time by research, but that's not always something people feel interested in doing or lazy, we don't have the time, basically any reason that we don't do anything or just don't have the resources. So that's why I'm here. Each segment will be going into a deep dive on a topic that confounds people consistently, starting with the Electoral College? So, in case you don't know or just need a refresher, the Electoral College is the system by which we decide the winner of presidential elections, most recognizable in the United States, but arguably just as prevalent in Europe and Asia. At its core, the concept is equal to the people selecting a smaller set of people who elect officials. Instead of purely deciding winners through popular vote, the Electoral College decides the outcome of an election through a more convoluted process. People called electors are chosen beforehand for each party, owing to either strong party loyalty or other qualifications. It's important to note that these electors are predetermined officials from their state, normally state senators or those in other positions, often chosen at party conventions or even other meetings. So, when people vote for the presidential candidate they're choosing, they are in fact voting for which set of electors the state uses, most cases between the Republican set and the Democratic set. The reason for this happening in the first place was to incentivize smaller states to join the Union, as smaller populations traditionally get smaller representation in government. This honestly sounds kind of intuitive. Um, if a state has less people, then it should get less um, representation. And in the way that we currently think of the United States and citizenship, it honestly probably mostly is, but it wasn't always that way, and it's important to discuss why. Back in the old days, especially before the Revolutionary War and uh, heavy British involvement in the states, uh, the 13 colonies were as distinct and independent as ever. Each had completely different economies, cultures, and governments. Massachusetts was religiously intolerant and focused mostly on shipbuilding. Pennsylvania focused on crop production that supplied the rest of these colonies and remained very tolerant of different faiths and surrounding tribes through most of its inception. The southern colonies were largely reliant on slave labor and cash crops and were uniformly Anglican. Because of this, each state had completely different needs. So when the country initially formed, the only way to get states to consolidate was in support of a larger cause, the war effort. If you've uh, seen the Join or Die cartoon uh, by Ben Franklin, um, it's basically a snake split up into a bunch of smaller pieces representing the colonies. Um, a, pri a primary reason for joining a union was to increase war power. When the country country's formation was clearly beneficial to all, they consolidated their resources. However, when it came time to formulate the restrictions on a centralized government in the Constitutional Convention, 
Delegates from smaller states came to fear that their voice would be trampled by larger states if the only form of representation was population-based. Out of this fear came a compromise that created two houses of Congress, the House, population-based, and the Senate, which has two senators for each state regardless of population. This, by the way, is the reason why the Electoral College has a population skew. Each state's number of electors corresponds to how many members of Congress they have. So that's the number of representatives plus the number of senators. Um, compare California's 53 representatives against Wyoming's 1 to California's 55 electoral votes and Wyoming's 3. There's a notable increase in voting power for those in smaller states. Wyoming's voters clearly have a larger share of voting power, and that is what makes it possible and even intended that some elections have results where the loser of the popular vote wins the electoral college. Now, even though individual states have their own social, economic, and cultural conditions for the most part, that's obviously why we still have congressional elections and state governments, most people today are likely to identify themselves as American rather than let's say, Texan or Californian, if asked. Other reasons for the instatement of the Electoral College's powers, such as the allowance for members to change their votes, have now become obsolete in an era where communication is as fast as ever. That's not to say that states shouldn't be represented equally in the federal government in some way. However, I think that the existence of the Senate is enough to represent states' rights on a national scale, the designation of the executive branch is largely going to be based in one party's platform, and that affects everybody. For electing in general all-purpose executive branch, not for either representing a district or a state, then the one-vote, one-person rule should apply. However, getting rid of the electoral college is definitely easier said than done. It is extremely unlikely that we will ever be able to dismantle the Electoral College. It's embedded into the Constitution, which means that it could only be removed through constitutional amendment. State lawmakers have introduced a measure to potentially subvert the Electoral College in what is known as the National Popular Vote Interstate Compact, MPVIC. Uh, since states are technically free to choose the set of electors that represent them, Regardless of the popular vote in each state, the compact dictates that all signing states give up their electoral votes to the national vote winner regardless. This has the caveat of only going into place when a majority of the ele nation's electoral votes have been committed, but it's a step in favor of the national vote regardless. It's currently about 70% of the way through, and Supreme Court rulings have largely supported the rights of states to do this. So we might see this go into effect very soon.